Hi, this is Erin James Brown. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. And I serve as the interim site pastor at Urban Village Church, Edgewater. Urban Village Church does bold, inclusive, and relevant ministry for people who were traumatized by church, people who feel over-churched, and even the non-churched folks. If you identify with any of these signifiers, we're so glad you're listening. Would you consider helping us continue this Jesus-loving ministry in and across Chicago and over the internet? You can make a generous recurring gift by going to our website, urbanvillagechurch.org backslash give. And thanks for helping us with your ears, actions, and dollars to build up God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And now, here's the latest sermon. Good morning, UVC. Today's scripture reading comes from Ezekiel, chapter 37, verses 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked and there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy mortal and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath and breath upon these slain that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. Then he said to me, mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you, Know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. May God add a blessing to the hearing and understanding of this scripture. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. morning. My name is Erin James Brown. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. And I'm so glad to see you here this morning. Welcome. Uh, Kelly testified beautifully about our anti-racist team and our commitment to continually becoming increasingly anti-racist. Um, one thing she didn't mention that I just wanted to like follow up or tag on to was that we also received a $30,000 grant last year to help us live into those recommendations that came from uh, the findings of the audit. And so we continue to try and host uh, events and learning opportunities for those of us who are interested in committing to this work because uh, we believe that it is the way God is transforming our lives to be more like Jesus. So if you're interested in going to a training, there's money for you. 
If you're interested in going to a movie night, there's wine and beer and pizza because that's more fun. And Jesus shows up when there's wine. So let's pray. Creator, spirit, and craftsman of our lives, you mourn with those who mourn and you breathe hope into what seems like hopelessness. So we ask that you pour out your spirit on the whole creation. Come in rushing wind and flaming fire and turn the sorrow within us into trust that you, God, are not finished with us. It's in the name of our brother and friend Jesus we pray. Amen. So this is not the end. God's Spirit scoops up the prophet Ezekiel, whisks whisks him away to this horrifying scene. And Ezekiel has been warning the people of God about destruction and judgment since before anything happened, before they were carried off into exile. And Ezekiel, of all the prophets, uses some very colorful language. If you go back and read the story, it's kind of messed up and kind of offensive. I don't know why it's in there, but somebody decided to include this language, this imagery to describe how God feels about the people who do not follow God's law. So it's no wonder that Ezekiel includes this strange and often cryptic story. Is it a metaphor, can we tell, of this massive grave in his prophecy? These bodies were unceremoniously left, exposed to the elements. The people were once life-filled humans, and they were dealt death and left in staleness in the heat of the sun. So those left in exile, still alive, could not remember their loved ones who had died. They couldn't hold a memorial service or an honorable funeral or mark have a marker of their grief and this moment in time. So they were marked with historical trauma. The trauma of exile haunts the people, and God drags Ezekiel into this death-dealing memory of loss by exposing him to this valley of brittle bones. So maybe you don't know this, but Urban Village Church is four churches, actually, all throughout the city of Chicago, stretching from here in Edgewater, taking a cruise all the way down Lakeshore Drive to Hyde Park Woodlawn, where we have another location at 60th and Dorchester. But across all four sites, we're starting a new sermon series. Uh, And it begins this Sunday. It'll run for the next four Sundays, leading up to November 2nd. We're going to stretch it into November 4th because that's a Sunday around All Saints Day. And the memory of those who have gone before us, our ancestors, those who have died and gone on from where we are. So we'll be talking about over the next four weeks, the overwhelming toll of what it means to talk about death and in a world that deals death for breakfast. We'll be talking about the reality of death and what we believe as Christians about what happens life after life after death. And there are some of those here in our community who have experienced death really recently. And I want to just acknowledge that and make sure we know that that's a thing. That's a thing some of us hold in our hearts and are very sensitive about. And there are also some in our community who have never seen death up close before. 
According to the National Institute of Mental Health, uh, Mental Health, though, by the time an average American reaches the age of 16, they will have seen 18,000 murders on television. 18,000. That's the number of times that we just witness somebody dying. So we are becoming sensitized to what it means to be for death and to have death involved in our lives around us. Some of us live with the ever-present death, threat of death in our lives. Some of us plan to live a long life and actually have no idea what our life expectancy is. And some of us don't know if we'll live past 40. So this series, I just want to acknowledge, might be triggering for some of us. It might dredge up memories and stirring up of grief and causing fear. And if it does for you, that is okay. We are a community that, including being inclusive, we say that if you need to get up and move around, to go out and sit outside for a bit just to be by yourself, that's okay. That this space is a space that can hold that with you. That we offer prayer during com uh, communion, that we want to be praying with you in that time as well. We're not asking you to set aside your fears or your doubts or set aside the people you love who come with you into this space. But it does mean that we are going to talk about the reality of death and acknowledge the power that grief can have over our lives and look for a God of hope. Because we believe this is not the end. And we also have to unpack that there are several things that Christians have taught us, or maybe we believe that Christians have taught us, about what death is or what the afterlife looks like. And so I have a, a few quizzes for you to see if you know if this is in the Bible. Are you ready? Uh, some of these traditions are long and stem way far back into history, and some we kind of don't know where to place them, and some we know exactly where they come from. So the first one is purgatory. Have you heard of this? I think the Latin is purgatito. I don't know. <laughs> I just made that up. <laughs> so can you, is it in the Bible? <laughs> it's a Roman Catholic, beautiful tradition that tries to understand what happens to people after they die and, this, and the time between then and when God gets everything God wants. But it's actually not in scripture. It's more, we think, maybe later in the 13th or 14th centuries, some scholars and creative writers came up with this understanding. And then Dante, in the 14th century, comes up with like stacks upon stacks of levels upon levels of where people are in the afterlife and how they can reach God, what God is really expecting for this world. But guess what? No, it's not. Another one is my favorite, one that I was taught, sometimes called premillennialism or sometimes called the rapture. Was anybody taught that you would be, the rapture would happen and souls would be sucked up into heaven and suddenly cars would go veering off of the road? Actually, this is an interpretation mostly taken from Revelation that was created by this kind of intimidating looking person, uh, John Nelson Darby, who uh, one of, he was a pastor in the Ireland, an Anglican pastor, uh, and one of the young girls in his congregation had a dream. She might have like had some bad potato stew, and then she had this dream, and then he created a whole sermon series out of it about souls getting sucked up into heaven after they die, or at the time when God gets everything God wants. But this is actually just a story that was created out of John Nelson Darby's uh, sermon. 
Another understanding that people have of the afterlife is what we sometimes call the pit of fire, or genea is what scripture calls it sometimes. And this can be found in Matthew. It's a term uh, that is, genea is the Greek word that sometimes gets translated hell. But often, actually, this is a spot in outside the city of Jerusalem where they would go to burn trash. It was a dumpster. And then after a while, they kept burning up this sewage and it created all this pollution and caused people to get sick and it was really smelly. And so they started calling it Ganea, which is an actual, what we believe, location outside of the city of Jerusalem, but sometimes gets translated as hell. So these are some of the stories that we get taught about what life after life is. And so we have to unpack some of those unhelpful traditions that we've been taught to really understand what it is God is telling us about what life after life after death looks like. And so actually what Christians believe, what the early Christians believe, and what we then adopt is that God created this earth for us. And then in the form of Jesus, in the incarnation, the death and resurrection of Jesus, God started pulling these spaces, God's realm and our realm, even closer together until one day when God gets everything God wants, like a puzzle piece, they will be interlocking. That this space that we occupy now is not a hellscape that we should be wanting to avoid, but it is a space that God is continually redeeming and restoring, that we share this space with one another. And so God is continually cracking open our atmosphere and entering in. Sometimes we can be like uh, the ones working the fly system. Here in this beautiful theater, there's a fly system over here where you can pull the pulleys and the mechanics and the counterweights to get the curtains to rise up and pull down. We are much like those fly system operators pulling God's creation into our space every time we do justice and mercy and act lovingly to one another. And so what we understand about life after life after death is that it is not about redeeming this space burning away, but about this space being God's honorable space that we help redeem. That the people we love are with us here. Ezekiel mourns for those who are lost, those who died during exile died wondering if they would ever be returned to their homeland, would their bones be left in a space where they didn't know if God's spirit existed. The people were enslaved and didn't know how they were going to return to their homeland, if they would be left behind, if they would have to leave behind the remains of their loved ones who died in slavery, and if that means that they will ever be reunited with them. Because they didn't know if God was present with them in exile. And so Ezekiel sees these bones rattling back together, stitched back together. And he witnesses the mercy and the grace and the power of God, the power of the life-living God who uh, rules over a death-dealing society. Resurrection, then, is not new life coming in perfectly into the world like a baby, but actually resurrection is a new, renewed life, a life forged from death. Even the risen Jesus had scars on his body from his resurrection. The Christian belief about death and new life is not this mysterious, fantastical story with sci-fi and maybe some zombies coming into it, but it's, it's a belief that God is working in us, 
The Spirit of God fills our lungs. The power of God cracks open the graves to restore new life because this is not the end. Crying out to God from the cross on Good Friday is who we are as the people of God, knowing that mourning and suffering and grief are real, that it is right and good to mourn. It's appropriate for grief to take its long, winding turns through one's life because death is a reality. And we believe that this is not the end. We believe that God, whose breath swirls up the dust, breathes life into the lifeless creatures of the garden. We believe that the God who knits humans together in their mother's womb also can knit together body parts bringing muscle and bone and flesh together to regenerate life. God is present, and we can breathe. So confronted with the landscape of death, we stand ready, looking forward in hope because we believe this is not the end. One day, we will shine like the stars. Over the next four weeks, we're going to continue talking about what resurrection means for us, how grief has its way with us, and how we continue to look death in the face knowing that our God overcomes death and restores us with life. And on November 4th, we're going to be celebrating the ancient tradition of All Saints Day in the Christian church, which means we remember those who have died in the past year, in the past several years, over the course of our lifetime, those that people that we carry with us, that we treasure and we still worry about and miss and pray for. And we'll be creating an art installation. If you're an artist, I could really use some help too. <laughs> but we'll be creating an art installation where you are invited to bring a copy of a photo of someone in your life who maybe you've lost. Someone who means something to you. And we are reminding God, these are our loved ones with whom we hope to see in the resurrection. And we give those to God knowing that God cares and hears for our mourning hearts, but also reunites us in the power of resurrection with our loved ones. So on November 4th, I invite you to bring your photos, copies of photos of people to add to this art installation because it is a way for us to honor those who have gone before us, our ancestors in whom we have inherited this faith. So, friends, will you pray with me? God of the living and the dead, through baptism, God, we pass through the shadow of death and into the light of resurrection. Remain with us and give us hope that rejoicing in the gift of the Spirit who gives us life, we may usher in your kingdom and trust that you, God, will get what you want for this world. That you, God, will rise up these bones out of graves, reuniting us in love and mercy through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.